Okay. Hey, Trish. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, I'm not even going to fuck around today. Um, no. We have a very special guest today. Uh, and to quote yeah. the great Jasmine Masters, they absolutely have something to say. So, yeah. <laughs> Trish, do you want to introduce near... our guest? Yes, this is someone near and dear to my heart and yours. And this is Nicole Hollowell. Hello, how's it going? It's going good. Hey. How are you? I am. I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I'm. I'm hustling. I'm here. I'm. Um, you know, I always like a chance to to chat with people and to talk and to see what's going on because my 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 uh, traveling life does not give me much social time. So when y'all said you were doing this, I was like, I'm ready. I want to talk some shit. Um, let's get in there. Yeah, I was like, I don't yeah. know if you're ready to record in 45 minutes, but you were like, no, fuck it. Honey, okay, I, I got I my burrito. A, I'm good. <laughs> I can get a face on in ten and be ready for a show. It don't matter. I'm ready to go. You know, when you when you get a booking, you get a booking. I come from uh, you know South Florida where they'll call you five minutes before the show. Like, hey, could you fill in for someone tonight? No problem. <laughs> I get my hey, my face keeny like RuPaul and just roll out there. Hey, I'm here. <clears throat> That's what well, face keenies are for. They were invented right. in Florida. To show up for a five minute drag booking. <laughs> <laughs> or when RuPaul can't get Raven to come over. Uh, so <laughs> she did get COVID Raven. <laughs> well, shocking. <laughs> so um, I think that I'll start this off because I know that you guys had seen my posts online. Um, I'm a big advocate for the girls. You know, for me, when you've got a bunch of entertainers working in town, uh, and they're not getting treated fairly, I'm the person that's going to stand up and say something because I don't I don't like that. I'm never the kind of person that's going to be like, oh, okay, you know what, they'll figure it out. I'll let them sit back and kind of do their thing. The thing about drag, and I'm going to preface before I get to the story, is that especially now since RuPaul's Drag Race has come out, everybody wants to be a drag queen, everybody. Yes. And it's become a thing where people don't realize if they're not going to do it for a hobby, if they actually want to get out there in front of an audience, it's not as easy as it looks or sounds. You know, RuPaul's Drag Race glorifies drag and they make things look so much simpler when in reality it's very difficult. You know, when you start drag, most of these queens are doing it as a side hobby. You know, they get out there, they'll work in a, in a bar or two, whoever will take them, well, no matter what they look like, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it takes a while to perfect your face uh, because yeah. they just want to get the practice and the experience. Most drag queens back in the day when I was working, you know, there wasn't that many queens out here in South Florida until RuPaul's Drag Race came around. And all of a sudden, we had so many per square foot that you could literally bump into them just walking outside of your house. Like, it was ridiculous. And then it's still that way now. And uh, more and more people are getting into the drag industry. So these people come in, but they don't have any entertainment experience. And they don't have any experience managing themselves as an, as an identity or as a public figure. So when you get in there, some of these people are so excited to work that they'll just take whatever is given to them. Yeah. And I mean, it's a good way to get your foot in the door. My first two years in drag, I must have worked for free because I spent more money on building my catalog of numbers and my props and my wigs and my costumes and all those things to get myself ready for when it was time to take on bigger gigs. So, you know, you don't really get to keep any of that money. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are not aware of that. So you get out into the world, you start doing drag, you start taking bookings and Nobody really tells you what the set meeting is because like a good professional entertainer, you don't talk about how much money you make. So we don't, it's just a thing. You don't discuss that with other people because you may be getting better gigs or getting paid more here or there or the other place because uh, the owner likes you or whatever. And it causes a lot of other issues, you know, whatever the, yeah. the case may be. Cause I know some girls 
who work in a club uh, doing the same show and so, some get paid more or less or it could be like you're an established entertainer and you've been on the scene for many many years and you're getting a much higher pay rate but you don't discuss that because you uh, <clears throat> you have a higher booking fee and the other person came in and just accepted whatever was there so I'm the kind of person that I build shows where my girls make money you know anybody that works for me knows if you come work for my gig, I'm going to pay you what you're worth and then some, you know? Uh, so I try to keep my booking at least 25 to 50% higher in pay than what they're getting paid normally as a baseline booking fee. So that's one of the things that I've been really pushy about. Same thing like when there was a pandemic, I'm like, I'm not going to let these girls go without money. So I started online shows and I started pushing um, to get people to tip so we could pay these girls so they could pay their rent when they had nowhere to work. So all that then culminates into why I'm upset. <laughs> so <laughs> first, I, I, I wanted you to kind of hear the backstory because some people may not know why I feel the way that I feel. So I'm a no, big advocate good. for you pay these bitches what they deserve, especially because yeah, it takes some of these queens. How long? Like, Matt, you're, you're dabbling in drag now. And you're yeah. starting to get the hang of things. How long does it take you to do your face? Um. Okay, I can do it in an hour, but I'd like two. Two is really okay. comfortable for me. So now imagine going to work and uh, working for two hours, and then your boss goes, okay, well, now that you got your first two hours of the wait, now we're gonna start paying you. Yeah. How would you feel? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's, that's, I, I'm fucking pissed. It's also like, yeah, I've realized how, like, I have four fucking outfits. Why? Because I can't afford anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's like, a lot of money to spend. It's, it's a lot expensive. of time to spend just to get ready to the, go to the gig. And it's not like you're just putting on a, you know, a jacket and walking out the door. You have a lot of things to do to make sure that the audience perceives you in the way that you're expecting them to so that you look professional. So here's the thing. During the pandemic, once the, the bars started reopening, a lot of the venues in South Florida, not all of them, there's some that pay their girls really well. And I'm not going to name any names because you know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, started to pay the girls uh, what we called pandemic pay, which was hey, we can't really afford to have entertainment right now because we've been closed for six months or five months or whatever it was, but we can give you this much money if you want to come to a show. So you're making some cash. You'll make some tips from the people that are coming out who feel brave enough to go and get out there with no vaccine, no nothing. And uh, that's what we have for now. So if you'd like to do that, go ahead. Well, most of the entertainers who are working in this industry Sadly, uh, they don't have a secondary job or a backup yeah. income or savings because majority of queens put their money right back into their drag. It's almost like an addiction, you know, more wigs and more yeah. costumes and more this and more that. And then, oh, it's like absolutely are... like crap. You just want more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and drag is an investment. It's you have to put back what you get. It is, but it also, it, you have to eventually find a way to monetize it. And I've been trying to teach a lot of my friends who are out there doing drag so often but don't have the money backed up, you know, hey, you got to stop putting too much into this and start making some money. You got to start saving up. I've turned my my work now, I've, I've been able to monetize it because I figured out my system for me. But we have a lot of entertainers who are young and very naive in uh, in South Florida. And this, it's 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 a split down the population. It's like a 50%. And these entertainers, are not investing their money properly. They're having a hard time making it paycheck to paycheck and they're taking every gig they can get no matter what it costs, you know, what, no matter what it's paid uh, because they just are trying to take as much money as they can so they can make ends meet and they're burning themselves out and then there's nothing to show for it because at the end of the month. And then there's another smaller percentage of queens who are taking a lot of money that they're making at a very steady gigs that they have every week 
and they're putting it into um, um, recreational substances. <laughs> so, so there is this. this I had to long, stop doing those. <laughs> so there's this long perpetuating mess of entertainers who don't have the money to back themselves up for something in case of an emergency. And then the end result is these bars are now trying to screw them out of making the pay that they deserve. So it's putting them in worse situations that they wouldn't yeah. be in if these places were not being greedy. So let's it's a vicious say, cycle. yeah, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. Let's say there was a median at one point where uh, a drag queens and, and I, I know, and here's the thing that's really funny is that I'll say, Hey, South Florida was making X amount of dollars for certain entertainers and people in other states go, what? That's so high, you know? But and in some states they go, oh my God, that's such a low shitty booking fee. So here's an example. Let's say that the entertainer was making um, $175, okay, as a booking okay. fee out here in South Florida. And uh, during the pandemic, that fee went down from 175 to just 75. Holy shit. So, okay, so imagine having to get ready for two hours and then go on stage to perform for a bunch of gays who are not even paying attention to you. Yeah, they're on grinder. Who, who are barely <laughs> tipping you. And then at the end of the night, after two numbers and you know $25 in tips, you're walking away with 75 plus 25 in tips. So two hours to get ready, struggling backstage, sweating with your ass off, changing costumes in a little small little closet of a dressing room. Yeah, touching up your come, face. Touching up your face, coming out. And then you get, here's your $75, you know. During the pandemic, I understand. Cool, your bar doesn't have enough money, but they're trying to help you. That's a different story. But when the greed sets in and the bar goes, you know what? We could still pay these entertainers $75 and they can't say anything about it because either they want the job or they don't. And because there's so many new young queens coming around and accepting whatever we'll give them, if they don't want the entertainer, uh, if they don't want the money, the entertainer can go fuck off and then we'll just pay these new girls $75. That is so and that's hateful. It is. And that's where this started, is that these bars are greedy and they're trying to keep the, the, the profit uh, in their own pockets. Yeah. So I look at it like this, and this is my big rant. A, drag queens in South Florida, especially in where we live, which, by the way, if your listeners are not familiar, um, I am. I used to work at a town called Wilton Manors. Wilton Manors is uh, the largest gay city in the country. We have 20,000 gay people living in two square miles. And Wilton Manors is full of nothing but gay bars, resorts, restaurants, and it's all gay owned and operated. So it's a gay Mecca, unlike anywhere else you've been. And you can go to this place and enjoy, uh, and, it, and it's not like a carnival place, you know, like it's like an insane town. It's just, it's a normal daytime and nighttime town where you can go out and have dinner and hold your boyfriend's hand and there's no judgment because the people around you are doing the same thing that you're doing. So it's a beautiful place to be. Now in this place on two square miles, there's about what, 18 or 20 gay bars and, and that are all Holy doing shit. drag shows. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. That, that's like reminiscent of Toronto to me. And it's all one after another, after another. Like, it's not like, oh, here's a gay bar and then two miles on the street. No, it's every other door. Are they stacked door. on top of each other too? Like, literally. there'll be like a venue with like it multiple is. floors and different literally. venues in each floor. It is, yes. Yeah, literally. Okay, yeah, it's like There's... very like the, gay, like the, we call it the gayborhood in Toronto where I grew up. Yeah, we call it the gayborhood out here. Okay, yeah, so. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very reminiscent of that. Like, it's just like, it's just gay people and they're just stacked yeah. on top of each other with establishments <laughs> like restaurants, bars and 
Yeah. People, p- people who are from out of town, like they come from small towns and small cities, come out here and they open up their grinder or whatever. They're like, oh my God, I have never seen so many men <laughs> less than a mile away. <laughs> like it's insane. <laughs> so some of them are negative six inches away. <laughs> so, um, oh my God, the... how does that even work when they're just on top of you? Like, <laughs> I mean, they're literally on top of you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, like, <laughs> this guy this guy is only five five feet away from me where's this guy oh in my colon okay uh, so Shit, how'd he get there already i didn't realize <laughs> he went in there <sighs> so continuing on so you have so many bars out here on the drive now if you know anything about a gay bar the number one primary entertainment in a gay bar is a drag show so there's every bar on the drive literally has a drag show. Every single one of them. That is so and much drag. It is so much drag. And it, it, the thing about it is that these girls are coming in who are newbies and just taking whatever money yeah. they're given. And, $25 and a drink ticket. Yeah, exactly. So then you've got these bar and club owners who have no idea how to manage entertainment or what entertainment means to a venue. And they're just booking these girls who are not up to par. They're not really polished. They don't have a lot of, you know, they walk around, they don't know their words, their makeup looks a little scary. And they're just doing it because, hey, people are there to, to you know, to watch. And it yes. goes from people coming in to enjoy the show to people coming in just to read these queens because, oh, look at this booger over here. What the fuck is that? Oh, you know, like so that. It's just like a, it's like a bad strip club. You go to make fun of them not to actually enjoy it. it it's a little bit of a mix of everything. It's a, okay. And, you know, there's... There's a lot of shows that that, like for example, in in my show, what I used to have on the drive, um, I used to bring in a lot of new entertainers, but I would help them before they go on stage. Hey, you know, let's do this. Why don't you try this type of number, which would be better for this crowd, and give them the advice so they could go out there and feel like they're doing something correct, and then mm-hmm. you know get some good tips, and then you mix them in with professional entertainers so that they may not be the best, but the people around them understand what they're trying to do, and they give them some money and they tip them well. Because you know at the gay bars the the gays will walk in and they'll buy a, a cocktail for $18 which is the size of a medicine shot glass yeah you know what I mean like like a shot but they'll Let's tip the drag a queen the, yeah they'll tip the drag queen which is the reason why they're there a dollar yeah so you know so it's the that's why I've been working mostly for larger venues and straight audiences and producing my own because the people that come to see the shows that are straight and, and this is no no negativity against my gay audiences this is just how the culture has perpetuated this so it's become standardized for us now to do this because this is what we think like when i do a venues that straight uh, uh that are primarily straight uh the straight people come up and tip me tens and twenties and then the gay people come up to me with stacks of dollars you know because just they're programmed to do program to go get dollars and give the queens a bunch of dollars yeah yes exactly. it's kind of like so, a gay person strip club almost like that's where yeah, we're going for our dollars yeah it's very that it's very that so the, so we've got these people who are committing to this 75 dollars paycheck because they're so afraid to say i can't take this money i need more because or they're afraid to get fired. yeah yeah they're afraid to get fired now think about it like this this is the way i put it in front of i left my show in wilton manners i was there for about four years at the same venue and then prior to that the show lived at other venues for several years so we had this really awesome long-running show but i had i eventually left uh and moved on but one of the logic that i had proposed to the venues that i was working for was i bring you let's say 200 people to your venue okay Mm -hmm. 200 people at 20 bucks a head how many drinks do you have when you go out matt like give me an example if you have two cocktails usually 
Okay, um, two cocktails would be like a light night for me. Um, okay. But okay, like I've slowed down my drinking a lot in the last few months, though. So. But Wilson Manners does not have any slowed down drinking, really. I mean, I like, think, like, so we'll say, let's we'll say, say four. Three. Let's say four. Okay. Okay, four cocktails. And then I don't know how the pricing is over there. But what's your average cost of a cocktail where you live? Because you're in Canada, so it's all um, a different thing. So, like, I'm probably going to have a, a beer. It's probably going to be about $10 a beer. Okay, that's more expensive than, than we are out here. So it's like so. $40 right there in beer. Yeah, so 40 and then bucks in beer. beers, I'm probably going to order a shot, which is going to be another 12 So there you go. There's so we'll five say drinks the average, right there. We'll say the average drinks plus shots. Let's say the person spends about maybe 40 bucks, 40 to $50 a head. Yeah. So $50 times 200 people, you made $10,000 for someone to so come. Much, oh, like they overpriced that booze so much. Like they're making like right. 300% oh, on of alcohol. Of course, it's crazy. Yeah, so they're making yeah. tons of profit, tons and tons of profit. So the bar makes $10,000 for the 200 customers that you bring in for your show. Like our mm-hmm. show at average 150 to 200 patrons would come and cram in that place from wall to wall. And that was our- Yeah, because you know how to sell out a joint. Yeah, and I can well, attest yeah. it was crammed. Yeah, slam packed every single week. So, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying specifically that this bar is one of the ones at fault. I'm yeah. just, I'm just talking about my experience and what matters. So let's say the venue, we bring in 200 people, they make, you know, even if they spent less than that, let's say they spent $35 a person times, uh, times, let's say a slower night, which is uh, 180 people. Okay. That's still $6,300 for one hour. Okay. So yeah. we brought you six grand for an hour. So now you're saying you have five queens in your show, $75 a queen times five is $375. You're telling me that you <laughs> How you are they not spend... worth at least one of your staff members that you're paying to like serve oh, bar that... or something? Oh, like... no, uh, it's it's different out here. The the, the, the bartenders and servers in in, uh, in the US, we they make a very low minimum wage and they live off tips. Oh, fuck. So, oh, yeah, like ours yeah, get it's... like 15 an hour here. Oh no, no. Most servers in in um, in the, the the US, like the average pay rate is between three and five dollars an hour. That is that fucks with my mind. Like Yeah, literally. it's really bad. So so imagine that the whole cost of your drag show is like three hundred and seventy-five dollars mm-hmm. and you made six thousand. You couldn't give these girls <laughs> But they you know gave you each a drink ticket, like <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm, and the drink ticket, you know, because the average cost of a cocktail for the bar, you're paying ten dollars for the cocktail. It costs them a dollar and forty cents. Yeah, like literally. So you're you're giving them profit. So they're just raking in. Now, okay, now I understand why when American drag queens come up to Canada and we're we're tipping them because like okay, so we tip them in bills. We don't tip them in change here. We're not giving them dollars like change. So the smallest thing we can give them is a five. Yeah. So now I understand See, because, well, why American drag queens are like, what like the fuck here. did you just give me? Because they get so yeah. much money. <laughs> yeah, so it, so that's where, where it's the breakdown starts to happen is, A, the venues can afford the show and they can afford, but they're trying to keep as much money as possible. Yeah. And they're trying to make sure that their booking fee stays as low as possible so whoever comes to the door, they don't have to worry about paying them more money. They will also lowball professional entertainers who have traveling shows and give them a lower amount and say, oh, we can't afford that right now, when they totally can. Um, you know, some of the bars when they reopened after the pandemic were booming. They were doing double, if not triple, the business that they were doing pre-pandemic, and they still are because this the the amount of people going out and doing things now has. I mean, the, the traffic has doubled considerably yeah. from what it used to be. So I haven't been to a drag show since like two Halloweens ago, but that shit sold out like two weeks after the tickets went right. on sale. Right, like, th- that venue was fucking packed. 
So in order to combat that out here, I was always building these shows. Like I have theater shows like Hocus Pocus and Queens and Icons and all these different things that I do where, you know, we, we bring an audience of three or four or 500 people and I can say, here you go, you know, you can do one number tonight and you'll make 10 times more than you what you would have made at the, the bar for yeah. two or three numbers, sweating it out for $75. So I've always been the person. Yeah, I'm always the person that's pushing to get these girls to make more money or to give them more opportunities because I have gigs all over the place and I could do them alone. But I say, you know what, let me come in here and bring some other people in so they can have an opportunity as well, because it's just but, you know, when I can't do that or if I'm seeing more clubs are paying like this, enough is enough. Yeah, we're getting to the point now where these people are so afraid to say anything. Most of the queens that I know don't even have bank accounts. That is fucking sad. Yeah, they don't even have bank accounts. Some, you know, that they have no money saved for their future. Some of them are getting to their 30s. They've got nothing put behind them. They haven't paid any uh, social security in because all the jobs that they've been taking over the last couple of years have been cash only, you know? So it's very hard for me to watch this knowing that these people are struggling to try to make ends meet or to pay, you know, their phones get turned off all the time or they can't afford to pay them. And they have to get new numbers every six months. There's a lot of things, you know? I should That's open up like a... It's very heartbreaking. Drag is a very suffering subject, like, and we don't talk about it. And you know, some of these girls are riding high. They've been, uh, you know, headlining entertainers, and their faces and their names are everywhere. But they're not making any money to show for it. They can't afford it. Some of them don't have a car. They spend like sixteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month just on Uber to get from place to place. So they're putting any money they would have earned into oh. just getting there. That's like a so, save, like that could start a savings right there, a month of Uber. Yeah, at that you could, point. That's, that's, like, you know, like $2,000 a month. That's a car. That's three car payments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and like, that's not like so, some shitty beat up car. Like, you could buy a shitty beat up car for that in a month. Like, yeah. Yeah. You could buy a whole car for $1,600. You know what I'm saying? So, the, yeah. uh, oh it's just, God. so that it's so just, just they're being robbed. Not only they're being robbed, but they're, Robbery. they're normalizing this behavior because they have no other life to live. Like, this is, you know, no they don't options. know any yeah they don't have they don't they know no other way and here's the other side of that is that drag queens could go out and get other jobs like i came from corporate america to go work in drag because i my father was in entertainment for about 40 years and i got that bug from him you know seeing him on stage and so i always had that craving to be a superstar i want to go on stage and perform in front of people and you know the whole thing but I started with my career first and I, you know, district manager and working in, in uh, graphic design and marketing and all those things. So I had my my own time to build my retirement savings and to put money in a 401k and to learn about how the world works, you know, from the business side of things. Yeah. A lot of these queens don't have that opportunity. And because they work in drag and they're so used to uh, people just kind of moving out of their way and they get to call the shots and do whatever they want to do, when they try to get a real job, and put themselves out there in the world it doesn't work you know they can't do it because they're they're not subservient yeah yeah it's very difficult for them to to kind of flex and, and stand down because of that type of stuff so there's just so many things and obstacles that are putting you know people in harm's way that are that do drag entertainment because there's just no way for them to to work normally so yeah. to speak well and sometimes like you said the the extracurriculars um and sometimes your support system is also doing those extracurriculars so there's really no there's no reason right. for you to not be in that and then yeah, everyone no that you're around exactly everyone that you're around is part of that enabler system where mm -hmm. you you know they're like hey sis let's go out every single night to the strip club and have a drink after the show and spend all the money you just made on cocktails and you know and on strippers or that let's is like go servers man 
servers yeah, up here are like that. They're like, oh, I need to go for 40 drinks after I just got off work. It's like, but you just made $200. Keep it. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the thing. And I just go, I don't, they're like, well, Nicole, you're so boring. You don't ever go out. And I'm like, nah, bitch, I got, I have an empire I'm trying to build here. You know, Bills I'm. to pay. You got, I got booked I, and blessed. Like. And it's not, it's, and that's, that's my, my, my thing is I've, I've never been booked and blessed like people sit around and they wait for gigs i go create them i can't wait for money to come to me because the more i wait you know the, the longer i'm sitting here going oh, what do i do now you know so i'm out there trying to make money for me and for everybody else so that we can all kind of just roll and and be comfortable with things but i'm sad i'm, I'm angry and i i keep telling these bars like in in like these uh some text of the post i will call you out and i'm waiting because I keep talking to the entertainers that are working at these venues and I'm like, you need to ask for more money. You need to remind them how much money they're making tonight. Every time you do a show, you need to do a head count of people at the beginning and the end to see how many are there, yeah. you know, and, and you need to start putting it in their face and say, hey, enough is enough. You cannot expect me to come work here. And the thing that gets me the most is every bar that has ever done a drag show has done a turnabout. Do you know what a turnabout is, Matt? No, I'm not familiar with that. So turnabout is when they take the staff and the management team of the bar and put them in drag and make them perform on stage to raise money for charities. Oh, that just sounds brutal. It is brutal. So <laughs> meanwhile, these fucking people who have no experience in drag yeah. have to sit there and suffer in the chair getting their faces beat, sticking pencils in their eyes and lashes and mascara. And these people are flinching away and and suffering through this and going, oh my God, I know how you do this every day. So meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, we have stuffed your crusty ass feet into pantyhose and put you in heels and put you on stage. And you have seen how long it takes A, to get ready and B, what it takes to do what we do and how it takes to entertain an audience versus just walking around pointing at people and watermelon bubblegum, you know, for, for five minutes to get through your song. So knowing how much we suffer <laughs> you know what I mean? Knowing how much we've gone through, seeing how long it takes to get us into drag and all the things we have to do and and uh, the materials we have to buy and everything else. And you still can look at us and not pay us what we deserve. Yeah, that's even more like it's like, oh, I did it for a night. But no, you can still get paid shit. <laughs> yeah. It, Excuse you? Yeah. It's, like, it's such a slap in the face. It's a slap right in the face with a brick. Oh, I'm that's like, kicking you, you right in the tuck. Yeah, kicking you right in yeah. the tucked balls, like. So, so I just, I just look at them puzzled. I'm like, are you kidding me with this right now? Like you, you have seen what it takes to put into this, and you still, really, <laughs> one of my wigs costs between 150 to 200 dollars. Just one, full styled wig. Yeah. And then because people have seen me in it, I have to buy other wigs so that I have other variety. So when the time comes. <laughs> For me to go out to another gig, they can't say, well, we saw you in that purple wig already. I have to keep buying wigs and keeping them in a, in a stock and then rotating them. <laughs> I've restyled right, my wigs into restyled. oblivion. Yeah. I've yeah. restyled them into oblivion. Some of my wigs are just like, they cannot be restyled anymore. Right. And I that's, just, they're fucked. <laughs> so imagine not only that, but I have to, I have to build storage in my room in order to get um, the wigs up on the wall so that I can keep them fresh and safe and they don't get smashed or dented or damaged so that eventually a couple weeks from now I can put that old wig back on again and and try it at a different gig and no one will know what I was you know so yeah, there's, there's so exactly so there's so much money not just for the actual supplies themselves but also for the storage and housing of them you know thankfully I'm an LLC where I can write off my mortgage uh, or half of it anyways as uh, 
as workspace because you know my office and my drag room take up so much room in the house yeah that, that's that's you know but these girls don't have these opportunities so i mean i think justifiably so i'm i'm angry for a good reason so no oh, I think, absolutely yeah you are absolutely and i have nothing you're pissed that's off for the right reasons too and yeah, it's for other exactly. people, it's not for me. It's for them because I I know where they're at and I have been in that situation and it makes me so fucking mad. It's not fair. It just isn't fair. And yeah, I, I know. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Trish. Um, no, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I said, I'm out of Wilton Manors now. I don't work there anymore. I've moved on. Like I still go back and I do the things that I'd like. For example, I have four or five charity events that I'm hosting um, out in Wilton and Fort Lauderdale. And those are the things, you know, or, or hosting for Pride or stuff like that. Things that I know that are important to my community, but I'm not working in the bars anymore as you know as a as a regular entertainer out there and that's because hey i'm tired of i'm tired of fighting i'm tired of wrestling you know it shouldn't take two years to get a raise for your show and especially a raise that's you know a hundred dollars two hundred dollars when the bar is making five six seven thousand you know pulling even if it was three thousand it doesn't matter the point is we're bringing you this money you should be sharing it with us in some way you well, know that's, they wouldn't be seeing that revenue on that night without you guys Right. Some of these venues out here forget that the reason they're still open is because of drag shows. Okay. Yeah. I remember one of the bars that when you when the pandemic first started calming down, quote unquote, and bars were reopening, that one of the bars did like I guess a trial run with, with one of the shows that you no longer do. And you had to pay your ticket and then the tips and the show was phenomenal. All your shows are phenomenal. And it Thank was you. packed. But if you weren't there, if your show wasn't there, if the queens weren't there. And yep. let me just say the the South the caliber of queens that you work with and that are in South Florida and on the drive are not these rinky dink queens. Those are far and few in between. We have really good caliber of drag and entertainers and they deserve the money that they need. They, they, they very much they do. need it. Yeah, I think and they... it's not it, it really isn't fair. Go ahead, I follow I follow more um, drag queens in that area, that small little area, than I do in Canada. The, the queens out here, and you'll notice that a lot of the entertainers that I work with, I'm very particular. I do book the same couple of girls every from almost yeah. every show, but I do mix it up. There are some times where I, I give bookings to other people that I believe also are just as talented, but I have a small little family that we work together with because I know exactly what to expect from them and they know what to expect from me you know but when it comes down to me booking people um, I don't just say oh hey you know what I'll take you this week no it's I have to see something specific in you that I know is going to work for an audience for me uh, I have a gift thankfully that was bestowed upon me from having experience in the entertainment industry since I was a kid where I could look at somebody uh, and be able to determine how they're going to interact with the type of audience demographic that I'm going to be putting out there. So, for example, I know the age group and the and the the type of mentality that's walking into a specific bar in Wilton Manors at X amount of time, you know. And, and then yeah. I go, okay, well, here's the girls that I know are going to fit best into that puzzle there, or you know, into that block space. So. Uh, those people then get curated feedback from me. Hey, I love this music, but you can't do it at this show. You need to give me something else. And I'm very particular on how that's run. And a lot of people are afraid to do that with drag queens. They're going to go, oh, you're going to get mad at me if I tell you you can't do that song. No, bitch, you want to work in my show. <laughs> this is how we do it, you know. But it's it's gotten me so much farther because the more you curate the show and the more that you build it around the demographic that's coming to see you, they're going to keep coming back, you know. 
Well, I think there's some other like well-known drag shows around the U.S. that like have in like some of the California that I'm aware of that like have yeah. run themselves that strictly, and they've had great success because of it. So I think there yeah, is like, something. Yeah, like look at Showgirls and WeHo. You know, the, yeah. you have that. It's, it's just a, one of those and, iconic shows that's been around yeah. forever and ever. Yeah, and Dream the Dream Girls Review ad in in San Diego as well. Yep, yep, and that's and they, because they have specific they have style standards. of entertainment. Yeah. And they have, the, you know what I mean? And they have themes and you do it to the theme and you know what I mean? Your music fits the theme. Yeah. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's, There's a lot know. of entertainers um, out there that are a little bit, you know, in their heads where they, <laughs> they start to, well, no one's ever given me feedback before, so I clearly know what I'm doing. And then you put them in an environment where they have to work under specific circumstances or a certain... Uh, certain types of music they have to perform or certain looks and so forth and you go you can't tell me what to do do you know who I am you know and, and that's the thing though is if you put them in front of a straight audience nobody knows who you are nobody okay yeah. unless you were within those little walls of Wilt Manors now, I worked at Wilt Manors for 10 years okay and I could go out there now and say hey I'm Nicole Hollowell they'd be like who you know it, it doesn't matter because there's too many drag queens <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, it is. You know? There's too many drag queens. I've noticed you do a lot of breweries, which I think is fucking fantastic because yeah. I personally love a brewery. So, well, the brewery thing came about unexpectedly. I uh, the the show that I produce now, uh, hilariously inappropriate drag queen bingo, dragbingo.net uh, is uh, <laughs> is uh, get your tickets. It's selling out fast. It oh, originally... All her shows sell out. All her shows sell out. <laughs> Uh, it's, I think I just have the right idea of how to market myself, which works fairly well. And often imitated, uh, you can see a lot of the uh, the show formats of the things that I do start to show up in some of the the, the venues in Wilt Manors. And uh, you know, as a as a, I don't want to say watered down versions of what I'm doing, but it's you know, there's a lot of a lot of girls get the idea from me and they go, well, you know, she won't notice. I have receipts. Ooh, I have receipts. Um, you notice. I oh, it. I noticed, honey. I have I have an archive in my phone of just receipts that I've been, and it's not, it's not even people that I'm 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 enemies with or anything else. It's just I keep it on file because you never know, someday something's gonna come up. But I uh, I started bingo about eleven or twelve years ago at an, at an actual casino, and it was called uh, Cosmic Drag Bingo, and it was at Seminole Classic Casino here in in uh, South Florida, and it was a humongous hit, and we were selling you know tickets after tickets after tickets, uh, and. Um, uh, it worked out really well and then i took a break from bingo for a while and then bingo started to die like drag bingo as a whole started to kind of fizzle out yeah and i thought well what's wrong with it you know what what's wrong with it that people don't want to play drag bingo anymore so i started going to drag bingo shows and sitting there and just melting into my seat going oh my god this is exhausting <laughs> it's so boring oh. <laughs> You know, and, and, and then it wasn't just that it was boring. It was like, okay, the drag queen calls some numbers, and then she goes and does a performance, and then she calls some more numbers, and then she'll give a stale joke or two, and then, you know, I 30, my knees are dirty, you know, the just stupid, stupid shit. Yeah. And then, and then it's over, and then the people go, what did we just watch? <laughs> so I thought, how am I going to rebuild this? And during the pandemic, I went and I kind of recreated what drag bingo was, and I wrote hours and hours of material and, and I built a, a comedy show which is now what it's called uh, a comedy show with balls <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I put it together and I found that the crowd that I like the most that works best for me is the brewery crowd because I have a lot of material that's meant for straight people and it's designed for that uh, the laugh response from those who are not in the gay agenda 
where that's another shortcoming of some of the people that work in, in entertainment is especially if they're a drag queen they only know how to entertain a gay crowd yeah so whereas me i relate more to straight people when it comes to humor because my humor doesn't evolve yeah queen beer they're also tea. dirtier i find straight people are much dirtier with their humor like they go to darker the places faster old straight people are the yeah. dirtiest oh my uh, god my mother-in-law rest her soul said the filthiest fucking shit i do condo <laughs> shows a lot and these old women are so filthy it is hilarious i'm like I, can we can I don't you, drink much. Getting, Let's go have shots. Like <laughs> they're getting vibrator ads in their crochet magazines. I can confirm this because my mother-in-law showed me. Listen, more power to them. Okay, blow the cobwebs off that thing and get back to work. I mean, it's oh, just... they absolutely are. Let me tell you, they are. Uh... <laughs> I remember when I used to shave that thing like a landing strip, and now it's an abandoned airfield. It's just, it's very, it's very. Uh... It's very interesting to see when you go out into the world and and experience people who have been tucked away in their own little crevasses. You know what yes. I mean? They're, they're forced <laughs> bubbles. They're for yeah, and then they, you kind of bring them back out, and then you start talking dirty to them, and they're like, "This is amazing!" Like, like okay, yeah. Well, I think you. some of the with the one I've been to your bingo shows, I've always laughed, but I think I've heard the hardest laugh coming from the older people there. Yeah, it's because the material that I have, I write jokes for everybody. So like I have jokes that relate to young people, the millennials, the Gen Z, and then I have the senior jokes and it's all peppered together in the show in a way where I can read the room and how it's shifting and I can drop those jokes in where necessary. And then it just kind of gets everybody. So by the end of the show, everyone has laughed at everything because it kind of just works out because everyone gets picked on in the show. You know, that's been great. I'm actually going back to casinos, which is going to be fun. I'm in conversations now with um with uh, another local two venues out here and i'm hopefully gonna bring drag bingo back to the casino okay. format soon because yes. that was a lot of fun with real money <laughs> yes i loved going to the bingo hall with my mom as a kid when they would still let you bring your kids in oh I had god so i used to do that too my mom was a bingo junkie that's she why i very... love bingo because like i went with like my mom and my grandma as a kid and like you know my great aunt b um yes i have a great aunt b <laughs> <laughs> don't we all um yeah no fucking that's why i love bingo so much and then i got my husband addicted to it so now but well, you know like it's full tilt it's a fun little brain teaser like when you have to put yourself in front of something and then keep up with someone that's not only telling you jokes making you laugh but also trying to throw yourself out and, and play the actual game itself and there's so much going on at once i think that's kind of why people are so stimulated when they leave my shows is because it's not just you sitting there you know dobbing away at fifty thousand cards yeah it, it's, it's more fun With like 13 that. good luck charms like a crazy person it's like you're yeah, listening like, to the show and then you're trying to like fucking oh shit, did i catch all the numbers like and it's funnier even then because the old ladies that come to my bingo show think it's going to be like that so they come they bring their pictures of their kids and their their little good luck monkey and they have their daubers and i'm like no 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 put that away <laughs> we're not adorable. doing that we're not doing that today that's adorable <laughs> i love that they bring that to your show Aww. it's really funny but it's it's cute because i get to make fun of them for that you know their family and everything else is there and it's always a good time my favorite is when the grandma comes with the grandkids and i start talking about all the dirty stuff that grandma used to do and they're like no and grandma's no. just cackling away because she knows it's She's true. She's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
You mean, thought walking well, in on your parents' boning was bad. No. Go to grandma <laughs> with Nicole's bingo. Oh, oh, <laughs> well, no, Trish knows exactly what I'm talking about too. Like I really, I go there. Like I don't, there's no holds oh, barred. She goes, I, yeah, she does. It's the best thing ever. I, I push him right down Xbox the stairs. Live chat. <laughs> I'm oh looking forward to going back in March. I'm so well, looking forward to it. Didn't you buy a ticket in the middle of the night last night or something? I did buy a ticket. And everything, she does this all the time. And I'll be, Damn, I'll be late Nicole there. is so on it. Just like, didn't you buy a ticket last night? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's well, my I, birthday gift to myself, so. See that, and that's another thing. We got to do something for your birthday because that's uh, bingo is not enough. Um, the the th- with with me, I am the kind of person where my little joy in life is watching the ticket sales come in. So I have little notifications that come off. So it's like every time somebody you know purchases a ticket, I'm like, oh yeah, you know the shows get filled up or hey, ding ding money, you know. So yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like almost like when you're winning on a game and like every time you look at the slot machine, like more money's going into the bucket. Like that's for me. That's my little happy space there. But sometimes it'll be like two o'clock in the morning and I'm winding down and my phone is on the dock in front of me while I'm working on my marketing stuff. And all of a sudden it'll have ding, ding, ding. It's like, Trisha has purchased one ticket. And I'm like, damn it, you know the ticket is free for you. So <laughs> she always totally does that. I a message from her. I'm like, yeah, I, I stopped messaging because she's like, well, maybe the next one. And she still buys it anyways. And I'm like, what the fuck? Well, well, this brings it back to why I buy the ticket because you deserve to get paid. Yes, but that's a different story. You have paid enough. You know, listen, Trish, Trish, <laughs> Trish, there's, and there's very few people that I will say this to. During the pandemic, when we had the Quarantine Queens live shows on, on streaming, she was tipping the bananas out of us. Bitch, I need to like, just save up some money and give it back to you because I am. <laughs> well, I will say, I, I will say this. I, I tried to send her Taco I'm Bell be- from Uber Eats once. I couldn't. <laughs> He's like, are, are you ready for Taco Bell? I'm like, I already had lunch. Thanks. No, but wow. no, I, I literally, like, I will say this now because it's obviously quarantine queens has passed. I made sure, like, you there, you were saying, oh, I was listening to how much I'm going to pay. I want every queen to at least go away with this much money. And I'm like, if I didn't hear, like, it wasn't enough, I made sure I paid enough. That and that's what I'm saying. Like you, you, money. you went so far above and beyond, like that, that I would never like. Uh, you, uh, as far as I'm concerned, tickets are free for any show you want for the rest of your life. Like I don't want you to spend another dime on anything. Like I, I had, I had a mind to like hit the refund button and then like curse you out for your message. Like you don't buy tickets anymore, crap. She's like a Hydra. Then she's just gonna buy two, and then you're gonna refund those. She's gonna buy four. I know. Well, <laughs> actually, that. Well, I was gonna buy three tickets because I have my two friends coming. I'm like, nope, they can buy their own damn tickets. Yeah, let your friends buy their own fucking tickets, but you get a free sh- like for real. Like, stop buying tickets, bitch. I'm serious. I'm. Uh, I I don't think you understand how much I love you. Like, you're. I think you are so amazing as a human being for all the things that you did for us and the girls, for the drag community. Uh, in that period where we were like fucked, like we were royally fucked, like I mean, th- and, and then some, you know. So I'm, I'm like, I'm ready. Like you know, let's, let's. I want to like, if I had the the fucking time, I would be taking you on vacation for your birthday because that's not. I'm not even like, but bingo tickets not enough. <laughs> well, since you brought that up, you have been traveling across the U.S. You are a busy woman. It is insane. It is insane. I've already been chatting your ear off for 40 minutes at this point, so I don't know if you want to hear about this shit. So honestly, oh, honestly oh, please. You, you might as well. Please. Let's just let's just go full all, all the way. Yeah, let's go full out. I'm just, We're here okay. now. <laughs> if we've been trying to get you on the podcast for a year, we got to. Let's go I know. Out. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, um, you're busy. The, it's fine. It's good. 
Well, so we understood. I, I started out doing bingo outdoors because that was the first thing that I wanted to get back online was, hey, let's do a gig. So my favorite venue here in Fort Lauderdale is called Gulfstream Brewing Company, and they are amazing. The people that work there are so wonderful and so kind, caring, accommodating, and they were literally couldn't wait to get started. Ooh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> that taco's coming right back up. Uh, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> no, uh, the uh, the venue was like, I'm like, hey, look, I want to bring my drag bingo show back because I was already doing it there. I said, but I know you have an outdoor space. So what if we brought it outside and we sold, you know, limited capacity, you know, just 50 or 60 seats or whatever. And people come play bingo and and it's something new to get out of the house. And it ended up being a huge hit. And I started with that, and then I started rolling out to other places that had outdoor gaming spaces, and that became a big hit. And then the show just kept growing and growing and growing. And then one day, um, I think I had about nine locations uh, from Fort Lauderdale all the way up to uh, um, uh, Lake Worth or West Palm Beach. And then uh, this company called Tin Roof called me up and they said, hey, um, we would like you to come and do drag brunches with us. And then they had been trying to get a hold of me previously um, Actually, they said, hey, why don't you come to do drag bingo with us? And I said, okay, cool. Because they had tried to get a hold of me previously because they wanted me to do brunches for them here, like in 2019 or 2018. And I wasn't able to do it because at the time I was working for uh, another company that didn't allow us to have uh, other brunches if we were working their brunch. So, which by the way is so fucking stupid. A non-compete um, for brunch is bullshit. <laughs> well, it's when you have a, a person that doesn't really understand how the drag industry works. <laughs> And how the people, you know, we're anonymous players to our audiences, unless you have been on TV or whatever. Yeah. Um, the uh, the show, I never got a chance to do the brunches, but she's like, come do bingo with us. So I did bingo, and I think I had sold out like eight or nine or ten shows there in a row. And then uh, their Orlando location uh, was visiting at the time. And um, he's like, oh my God, I can't believe how great the show is. Why don't you bring it up to Orlando? So we went up to Orlando and I did another six or seven shows there. And then all of a sudden one day, um, the CEO of Tin Roof uh, comes to one of the shows and like, no pressure, Uh, Tin Roof is here, the CEO, and he wants to see your show because he keeps hearing about it. He's like, we're gonna play bingo tonight with you. And I'm like, oh, thanks for telling me before the show. I appreciate that. (laughs) Why wouldn't you just wait till after and be like, by the way, great job. Also the CEO is here. So. So yeah. On, on pins, yeah, pins and needles the whole night, like freaking out, like, oh my God, this guy's going to be like, your show sucks, get out, you know? <laughs> I don't know why so, everyone loves it. <laughs> yeah, so, so his, his wife is, yeah, you know, we're lowering your pay to $75. <laughs> but we're giving so, you a free growler, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he goes, this is fucking awesome. I want this in all my locations. Like his wife is hysterical laughing. Like, it was a good time. He was really excited to... To, to get me going. So they put me in Raleigh, North Carolina, and that one took off. We were selling six or seven, eight shows in a row, and then we moved to St. Louis, and then all of a sudden, um, all the entertainment directors are calling me all across the country, because Tin Roof is not a small company. They're a big company. They've got like 30-something locations, and they're all over the place, and it's a really yeah. amazing company to work for. So thanks to Tin Roof, I started touring, and I have a whole Midwest show. Like there was, every month I have like a, a week where I'm in six or seven different cities in six days. And it's insane. Wow. So I'm, I'm touring all the locations. And thanks to this, people are now seeing me in other places. And they're going, like, I just got a call from a venue in Vegas. And they're like, hey, we would like to talk to you about your show. So it's it's opened a lot of doors for opportunity for me. And I'm very thankful for Tin Roof. They're actually one of the best companies I've ever seen as how they treat their employees. Everyone's happy to work for them. Like, there's not a, you know, when you go places and people are just like, ugh, 
I hate my job here, but yeah. there's not a single unhappy employee that I have met that works for Tin Roof uh, for that have been there long term. You know, not the, like the, the local like in and out like, hey, I'm a server at 10 different restaurants and I also work here. I hate everyone. You know, yeah. not that kind of thing. But like the people that actually just are dedicated to working at Tin Roof. It's, and it's such a fun place to work. They have, you know, rules and stuff in place, but it's not something where they're like beating you to death about it every day. You know, so it's just like oh, do nice. your job, be honest and work for us and, and have fun and make it a party. And it's great. So I've been all over the country with them and my, my tour is expanding on uh, this month and next month. I'm adding uh, Nashville, Baltimore, Birmingham, uh, Fayetteville, uh, Memphis. And then next month, I'm adding a few more cities as well. And then hopefully by the time April rolls around, Vegas will be off the ground. I just added wow. San Diego. So like She's it's just going for all 50 states this year. All right. Hello. I'm trying to make the fucking money. So, so, you know, my goal is to make it big without needing Miss RuPaul and her TV show, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. So hopefully this that's is going to turn be. into, and I'm, I'm sick, so sick of it. hearing so... RuPaul's drag race is my dream. Yeah, no, have a bigger dream than that. It's a shitty yeah. TV show. We know this. Like, and this is no shade to, to Manila and to, um, um, Oh God, Alexis like, Mateo. Like, but I, like, love, they, I love watching the show, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's a produced show. It needs to stop being the like the pinnacle of everything. Right, exactly. so here's what happened. This is a great example. We're still pulling queens from the first and second and third seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race when it used to be entertaining, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I think after Bianca Del Rio's season, I think there was maybe one more that was kind of like interesting where the characters could be used. And then after that, they're not really going back and utilizing these entertainers anymore. You know, like it, they keep pulling from the first five or six seasons, like Jennifer Lopez's new video, they called Manila and Alexis Mateo. And it's like, yeah, there's yeah, so no, many it's always other throwbacks queens. to like season six or seven or yeah. like back. Yeah, for there's sure. There's so many other drag queens that could be a possibility for you. And you picked because, because they were on RuPaul's Drag Race and because they are in the zeitgeist of the, of the book, you know, you're part of this franchise. Here you go. Like, I just don't understand it. And now there's so many drag race shows that they can't keep up with adding new entertainers now. So nobody really wants to go and say, well, who's popular and current for this season? No, let's have Trixie Mattel again. Or let's have, you know. Yeah. Or Bianca it's, Del Rio. It's the same. It's the same. Same cycled queens. Again, no shade to any uh, any drag queen. Or like you said, to Manila and Alexis and Jujubee and these queens that keep are popular, but... Yeah, three hundred seventy-fifth times the charm for Juju B. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, listen, I love. I love her. I fucking love her. I, I love used her. to have a signed picture of her, and it was like part of my shit that my ex just got rid of and didn't tell me about. Um, Bitch. Yeah, I like. I love her. I love her so much. I, I do want her. I just want her to win once, because like, bitch keeps showing. And, her I, and, and I, I feel like that's what's good. happening. I think they're doing this to her on purpose because they always have a storyline for yeah for every every it's person storyline. And yeah, she gets so they probably music for it now. So I mean, it's yeah. working out. I really think that there's there's a show coming for her where she's going to win something. And watch it be this one. This did she get sent home yet on the, the UK no. versus the world? No, okay. no, 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 no. Watch it be this one that she she wins. Well, you know what I mean? usually makes it to the top, like <coughs> three or four top three before she gets, gets eliminated. Yeah, and that's the, the thing is like you know she keeps going on uh, and not winning anything. So I'm hoping that at some point it's going to turn around for her and they're going to be like, you know what, this is the season we're going to give to you because the the, the stories are always very manipulated. The winners are chosen in advance. It's very that for you know. Oh, absolutely. Watch, I'm, gonna, I'm going to open my front door now and there's going to be like a red laser light dot in the center of my forehead. 
<laughs> oh, not, not we were listening like, to okay, you. We have no problem calling out the drag race buffoonery. Like we had someone call out the Serena Cha Cha wiggery. Um, uh, yeah, no, we have no problem calling out that bullshit. Uh, uh, we uh, we've talked about the, the contract and all that bullshit. Listen, yeah. she got she got me, gal. Okay, Miss Serena Cha Cha got me too. It's she right. got she got everyone. <sighs> She's COVID. Um, if if oh, you haven't been no. got by Serena Cha Cha. <laughs> And I don't understand why you put your fame at risk. Like, you, you have a bad reputation. You've had one since the day you were on the show. Like, I remember her coming, because she started out here. Uh, and, you know, she was, Serena Chacha was out working with us. And she showed up here after she filmed Drag Race. And uh, she was out working a lot of the venues that I was working at. And this is like in the early seasons. And she was... You know, I'm so sorry even... that her boat ended up washing up on your shore. <laughs> oh God! Well, you know, at the time we met her, she was nice and things were great and so forth. But she was, she was a product of of being hated by the TV audience because of the way she acted on the show, yeah. and people treated her badly out here because they didn't like the way she behaved. So that was a really hard time for her out here. She was really struggling because she had that TV persona to break out of, and then she just never did. And then once yeah. she, you know, she became the unintentional villain, not like Fifi O'Hara or someone else, which by the way, Fifi, she had me on the show other times, so I can tell you the tea between me and Fifi and the online Facebook war that happened between us for like three days. Love um, it. <laughs> but, uh, but Serena Chacha knew what she was up against because she had so much that she had to say on TV and she was young. Like, I give I, I, I give her the, the free pass for that because she was very young and very naive and she didn't really understand what she was doing at the time and how the consequences were going to be. She thought she was just going to be good TV, you know, and then it just ended up blowing up in her face. A lot so of girls don't realize that like you could say 30 fucking words and they'll take 10 of them and use those. Yeah. yeah. The thing and, is, like, she's a businesswoman, like as far as like having her wig, so her wig business. So why is she not only just messing up her fame, but messing up her business? Yeah. And you know, if you don't have much fame anymore, like she's been brought back how many times she's been sent home because she has nothing to offer the drag race franchise anymore like it's over yeah. with she's just not and you can tell she's in her head when she's on those shows because she's in there you watching her facial expressions and she's she's all talk and then once she gets to the point where she has to stand up and perform she gets in her own head and she ends up you know pulling back at the last minute and flopping and it, it's sad because she's a talented makeup artist she's a talented performer and she's a talented hairstylist and she knows what she's doing but she just can't seem to harness the thing in the right way to kind of get herself where she belongs and then now all this drama and things with the wigs and everything else is going down with her which is insane because uh, you know i've had the same situation with her where <laughs> i've ordered hey shut it <laughs> oh, see i thought I've, i was going to be the one with dog issues today <laughs> i've ordered something with her and i've got something that was not what i ordered and it's 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 very sad that this is the the end so result she's just for her the because... wish of custom wigs <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to get into the whole thing because, you know, she still lives out here and I don't know if I'm trying to cause any drama, but, but I have, I have had situations with her where I was not pleased, um, with the impressed. end result. Yeah. Cause like, especially if you're spending that much money, cause you know, the, she, there's an extra surcharge for her being on drag race. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, sakes. The, not for real, but like the price is a little higher cause you're buying something from somebody who was on TV. So they always have that complex where way yeah. you have to spend. A little bit more, blah blah blah. But my, my wigs are done. More. My wigs are done by Hats by Carlos, and I will never go anywhere else because Hats by Carlos is the best wig designer on the planet. Period. I do follow Hats by Carlos. Yeah. Hats by Carlos like is wonderful. 
I need to get one of their hats. I'm oh, currently still I'm still trying to pay off a custom wig I ordered, so I have no business. Let me tell you. Wigs. <laughs> okay, I had purchased this is a, this is a testament to the product quality. I purchased I think I have to date probably over 100 wigs from Carlos. Jesus and cuz Car- Carlos used to, to live <laughs> There's so many wigs. I just Carlos used to wigs. live 6 or 7 minutes from me. So I could go pick them up personally. Like I would go to his house or have the wig shipped to him and he would style them and I'd go pick them up. So that um, like a habit. It was a habit. Now he moved to New York and now I, I have to have them shipped home, but it's okay. I still order a lot of wigs from him. Um, so the 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 one wig that I'm referring to, I had to film a commercial for Hard Rock and I had this big pink wig and I wore it outside at the beach for probably eight hours oh. in the sun. And I got back home and I was like, I hadn't seen my hair. I was in and out of cars, you know, things getting screwed up. Confetti was thrown at me, all kinds of stuff. I literally put the wig back on its wig head and it looked like it had never moved. Like it was still perfectly styled. So I was like, bitch, how? And I messaged him like, I don't know what you did, (laughs) but (laughs) this wig looks like I did not wear it today. And it was, it had been through some shit. So congratulations with whatever <laughs> and I still have her to this day she's still sitting there pretty wig whisper right I don't know what she does bitch I can't get my wigs to stay styled that long it's a well, you have miracle to, once you get them styled you have to set them with like a heavier duty hairspray there's one called um, um, what is it freeze it and it's in a gold can okay. you can buy them on Amazon so once you get your hair absolutely perfect front and back you dust over the whole damn thing with freeze it and freeze it is not like got to be where you spray the wig looks and chunky. then if you try it not only looks chunky but if you try to brush it it's also flaky okay <laughs> so um freeze it in the gold can is the master of hairspray for wigs because it will not move Thank and you. once you spray it in there it stays that way and that or you could do like my good sister Chantal sparkles does where she sets her wig with a like clear lacquer like you would for furniture oh my god that's amazing and, and I'm I mean, here for that. You, you can only do it at the base, not at the ends. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to. You're going to look like. Oh my god, um, that is Matt, like next level base tease. I'm here for it. <laughs> Matt, how old are you? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. I don't. I don't know if you'll remember this or not. Trish, I think you and I are similar in age, aren't we? Yeah, I'm thirty. I'm going to be thirty-seven. So similar. Okay. Age. Yeah. So I'm thirty-seven. Do you remember the Duracell commercials from the early '90s with the family of plastic toys? Yes. Yes. yes I remember there, those. Where, oh, you remember that? Yeah. Where their yeah. hair was like sculpted, like plastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the so, like, like the little people. Yeah, very that. So like, if you use that on your whole wig, you might as well just be one of those people in that commercial. <laughs> I <laughs> sure. want to do that to a wig now. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only drag look back then. I have to varnish well, a table soon, so I mean, I might have the well, lacquer. I mean, hey, there you go. Just get a can of spray lacquer and throw it on you. You know, the the setting, the clear clear top coat or whatever it's called, and just do it. So oh, I think God. I have talked your ear off enough. Is there anything else that I should cover with you guys, or I just gave um, you everything? <laughs> yeah, um, I believe you. I, I believe we're at actually the time frame that you gave us that for your availability today. So um, I think yeah. I'll, I, you know what? Just is there anything that you want to plug for yourself? Um, do you want to plug that in, link again? You know, I love getting plugged. I know. That's why I figured we could plug you right here. <laughs> Trish, too. No. Uh, 
Um, I don't know. Uh, come check me out if you live in the U.S. Uh, I have shows across the country. It's dragbingo.net, and you can play with me. It's two hours of ridiculous and raunchy, hilarious, inappropriate fun. And Trish has been there, so she can attest to just how insane my fucking show is. And bring and, your grandma, uh, apparently. Yeah, bring your grandma. It's a good time. You know, buy a ticket. It includes one free beer or cocktail at whatever venue I'm at, plus everything you need to play. And uh, come out and, and escape the, the traditional boring drag bingo and all the other traditional stuff like, oh, here's another drag brunch. No, come out and have a laugh with me and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you something to laugh about. And if you're in Florida, you can check me out. NicoleHollywell.com has all my other shows. and I do celebrity lookalike nights and 90s brunches and um, other really cool things if you live in South Florida. So come out and see what I'm up to. You never know what I'm going to do next. Well, there you and that's go. it. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, well, you, know, guys. We, you know, we love you here on the yeah. podcast. You brought me and Matt together. So we owe you for sure. I'm still so happy about that whole thing with, with you guys and Bianca. That. And that it's you guys still. have all found each other. And you're my stalker club full of weirdos. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. The official stalker club. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. I'm, I'm so happy that you guys have all found great friendships through the projects we put together and that's the whole thing you know i want to bring people together in some way or another and i think you guys are like the biggest reward out of all the stuff i've done you know because the shows come and go but like you know you guys have a lasting friendship and that's amazing you're gonna make me cry uh, i know <laughs> how dare you good <laughs> cry off your mascara you little bitch no i didn't put on any i haven't showered yet uh, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't been a year yet <laughs> so well uh Thank you for the opportunity to vent. And when this does come out, I will post it on my Facebook and these bitches can listen to it and get nervous. And then maybe one day I'll put it on the cover of a magazine and be like, expose, drag queens, underpaid in most matters. Absolutely. Honestly, here's the thing. Like, it's it's happening everywhere. No one's really talking about it, but it needs to be talked about. So thank you for bringing it up and being angry in the right ways and being constructive with your anger. And not just throwing a toddler tantrum about yourself. Like, this is about other girls. This isn't about you. So thank you for doing that. You are welcome. And thank you for giving me the platform to do so. I appreciate it. And y'all have a great show. And uh, enjoy. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye, Nicole. Bye, guys. Bye, Nicole.